0: experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hey there, hi there, ho there, and welcome to episode 256 of the Diz Unplugged Connecting the Walt podcast. I am your host and Diz historian, Michael Bolling, and I am joined by my co-host, executive producer, and good friend, Craig Williams. Craig, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing okay. How are you, Michael? Oh, I'm doing well. Welcome back.
1: Thank you. Two weeks in a row. What a record for me here. (laughs) Well, since November,
0: yes. (laughs) But we are happy to have you back again, so for this week. Uh, And this week, we um, we are going to, again, continue our conversation with Ben Harris. If you... If you um, were in, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, you want to go back and listen to that. Ben became a cast member at Disneyland in 1958, started out as the conductor on the Disneyland Santa Fe Railroad, worked up to be operations manager. He shared some terrific stories last week about, uh, about Walt Disney and his experiences working, you know, at Disneyland in those early days. And, you know, there's, he has a great story about, Uh, after they did the additions of like the elephant pool, all those things that Mark Davis designed to bring some humor into jungle cruise, he had to take Walt. Uh, uh, He was the skipper and he took Walt around and so that they could time and make sure that the spiel, um, you know, hit every mark as they went around. And I thought that must've been very stressful. Yeah.
1: Well, not not nerve (laughs) wracking at the very least. Just, Another normal day at work. I know, really. In this episode,
0: he's going to talk about some major events at Disneyland um, during his tenure there that he helped orchestrate. And also way more stories about Walt Disney, including Walt's last visit to Disneyland because Ben was there. So I hope you will enjoy Part two of our conversation with Disneyland cast member Ben Harris. Ben, the last time we were together, we talked about the events you had planned. Now, I know one of the most entertaining grand openings I ever saw, uh, I've seen the tape for it and all that, was the Pirates of the Caribbean grand opening. and. (laughs) I mean, in fact I just saw it it was um Tony Baxter just did a presentation at the Walt Disney Family Museum and he showed that opening as um part of his presentation on the on vintage Disneyland. So and you were involved in that?
2: Well, uh, if if you look at the first part of the segment as we're going as the pirates are stuff and we're up on the boat, see a guy in a white outfit like that, and a white shirt stuff like that, that's myself. Oh. Uh we uh uh, Tommy Walker, uh, left the company in mid-July. Uh, uh, he had worked a little bit on it, but, uh, my boss, uh, after Walt gave us special permission to do the fireworks show on July 4th at Anaheim Stadium, uh, and after Tommy had worked on, uh, the opening of, uh, we, New Orleans Square had been open for a week and a half, a soft opening. That's not unusual. Then you have the grand opening after, you know, you get going. So we, we had, uh, Walt coming back and we found out that the time that he and the mayor of New Orleans could, could be together. And that was the 24th of, of July in 1966. And, uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, was, they had, had installed it. They had worked on it. They had done some tests. And, uh, they let us know, uh, on about five or six days ahead of time that they, that the show was ready to go, to show. Uh, they invited the press out on the 24th for the dedication of It's a Small World, or the dedication of New Orleans Square, and a preview of Pirates of the Caribbean. We put together uh, what can we do and Wally Bog and a whole bunch of extras from the studio stuntmen decided that what we would do, you know, we don't like to cut ribbons anymore since the time of trying to get the vice president to cut yeah. the ribbon of the monorail in 59. <laughs> Cutting ribbons wasn't our things. T- it was doing something else. So we wanted to bust open the doors. Uh, the bu- bust open the doors of the pirates of the Caribbean ride. And in order to do that, we needed to, to have pirates and stuff around. So between Wally and Chuck Corson and a whole bunch of people, the idea, let's stage and p- bring all the press and put the press on the Columbia. We'll make the Columbia like it's a ship under attack. We put them on the dock at the Mark Twain dock. Uh, it's on, it's got all kinds of. Guys up in the rigging, which is all new, and and the stuntmen have tried out, and we had a rehearsal the night before. And Wally Bog as the big pirate captain, and three or four others, and we put some cannons, small cannons, on there, fire. Wally, as as we're leaving the dock of the of the with in the Columbia, to go on that same route because it's on a rail going around and back. There's the fight on the water and there's, we're attacked by these two boats down there. They start climbing aboard. Little do us, do we know that some of these people that we thought were really stowaways and they change and rip off their clothes and now they're, they're the pirates and, uh, they climb aboard. Two or three of them fall into the water. They was shot into the water. There's a couple of sword fights and, and there's a bunch of serving winches. Going around uh, uh, that are captured, women that were captured, uh, and they are the Golden Horseshoe dancers, and some tour guides, and some hostesses, and some others that are dressed up in period costumes. And, and these girls are forced to uh, break open the drug and serve the the rum uh, to the uh, the pirates. Well, it, it was. They break open these kegs and and they didn't serve them from that because that was just uh, colored water in there. But the cameras, the uh, the sixteen millimeter and uh, handheld Aries thirty five millimeter cameras are covering this. And then as we come back in, the pirates corral all of the press and start taking them over towards their city where they're going to sack the city, which is where Pirates of the Caribbean is. And And there's a couple of guards marching back and forth, and they get fired on, and there's a sword fight, stuff like that. And then the pirates find this old log that just happens to be over there, and they go bust open the doors, hit the doors. Now, these are breakaway doors that were set up for that. And then, boom, the doors open, and then we announce the pirates is ready to receive you. And and the press and the special guest march into the pirate ride. Walt and the mayor are on the dock inside because they had come in from the Blue Bayou exit side. They're in there and Walt gets, uh, makes a little speech and talks about, uh, that, that, he's seeing this for the first time since uh, the, the previews in this installation. So and so he hopes they enjoy it, that kind of stuff. And, uh, off they go. And it's about eight or nine bus loads or uh, boat loads go in because there was about 70 people, 80 people, and and a few others. I had been on it uh, with two or three others a couple of times earlier in the the day when we were going through rehearsals. But the press comes out. They go in to the Blue Bayou because you come out the exit. You can go right into the Blue Bayou restaurant. And here it's set up with a beautiful menu for them, and there's a little soft uh, Dixie, uh, scatter band, uh, playing the, the spoons and playing the saws and a beautiful auto harp up on the balcony. this soft music and they're in there and there to enjoy their lunch. And I just went in and welcomed them. I was just asked to go up and just to welcome them in there. And fortunately, I didn't say that Walt would be in to talk to them. <laughs> that was the general plan. And, uh, we were working on, uh, this at the back of the theater, at the back of the area by the big tree that has a swing in it, and the pretty girl just swinging back and forth in her beautiful antebellum dance era dress, and uh, it's all going well. And then waltz back over there with a few of the people, <laughs> and uh, I get I get the call uh, on a thing that uh, we're not going to open it. Uh, uh, Walt wants you to make an announcement, or somebody. You know, they, they said me. They want you to make an announcement. I don't know if it was Walt or who, but Walt was with them, and they were over there. And Jack Lindquist just gave me. Uh, most of these press people know you anyway, and you've already been up there, or whatever it was. Just say that they've had a sneak preview. All of New Orleans Square remains open. Uh, the Blue Bayou here will will not open because it's part of the show and the scenery and there's some uh some adjustments that Walt wants to make and I and I said what does he want me to tell me? You know, what and just go up and stuff, but reassure them that all the people will continue in their jobs, go back to their jobs that they had as they work out these issues and it will make it bigger, more exciting uh when it when it finally does open. Well, of course, Walt wouldn't see it. We thought it would be just a month or so. Right. This was the twenty fourth, so I just go up and made the announcement. Went up there and and, and pat the microphones. Said, "Hi, guys! You having fun so far? You know, just just something to to loosen them up." And and they all w- were looking at the menus and and what the appetizers that they had and stuff. And I said, "We we invite you to sit back and relax and a full meal. Um We we have given you a really a special preview." a special preview that Walt thought was important to give you of what he has created here. Uh, And uh, we know that you'll be excited when you're invited back. We don't know exactly when yet, but we have a few little things to work out. The fire, maybe it's the fireflies and the sound or that, uh, the brick over there, a few little little adjustments here and there, especially with the sound levels because they told me that, especially with the sound levels, because when you saw these individually at the studio or in the makeup, you would see one at a time, but now they would bleed into each other and stuff Mm -hmm. and the boat. And I didn't, I didn't go into that, but Hey, it's it's special. And, uh, after dinner, we'll hand out a special flyer or special, some special materials, uh, you know, Jack's and the staff will be handing that out that, and got a, a little applause and stuff like that. And then I just went around to a few tables And, and Jack went around to a few tables and, uh, they were all happy and we got very good press out of it.
0: Great. Now you had mentioned earlier that, you know, Walt had told you the the reason he built Disneyland was for families, but he also made sure that he had activities for the families to build the families of the cast members as well.
2: Oh, we were, we were so fortunate. Uh, and uh, the cast activities. during the winter time, we had the Disneyland Bowling League. And you had directors, managers, supervisors, all levels working in there, taking over the freeway Bowl those first few years, and the Brookhurst Bowl later on, where you had uh, male and female, five men team. you had to be one woman. And on Monday was the Scratch League on Tuesday because we were close was the handicap league. And then we had a big banquet at the end of the year uh over at the German American Club uh or at the Disneyland Hotel. But uh this was co-sponsored uh a- an activity where you'd be out there with uh, with with people that worked there and family members uh, on on the bowling team. And and then in the summer the big activity was the slow pitch softball team that you, you had. And each land would have a couple of teams. The, the champions were always the parking lot. Uh, as long as I can remember, we would play the games in the old uh, uh, holiday land over there. had a nice baseball diamond. And um, until about 1962, we used holiday land. Then after that, we would use the small or the little league baseball lounge or diamond that was over where the Disneyland Hotel is right now, where the uh, the, the, the last hour. That, there was a whole bunch of vacant land over there, and the Little League was there for about four years. But at the end of the summer, the champions, and they were always the Jungle Cruise, would play management. Now, what a management team we had. We had Nunes at shortstop. We had Bob Riley at, at the pitcher, um, Nunes' assistant and later general manager, or director of the general services. I was the catcher. Jack Ader was at first base. Gary Conk in finance was at shortstop and Jim Pasilla, uh, would play short field or he would come in because he was a better shortstop than Nunes because he was semi pro player and he was the new personnel guy. But we had a, and Penfield and Holscher and Sullivan and, and Ader and, and, uh, so many there were 20 members of management from various areas that uh, would, would play and sometimes it was a two out of three. Then, then we had the uh, spring tonics at springtime with the fantasy theater. They would do a silly thing of, of shows uh, in uh, like you would do at a college, like a college tonic. To but it would be auditions and people who had acts and who could sing or who would do skits and and the funny ones were where people would men would dress up like women and vice versa and, and do the, the drag routines. And then we had a big nighttime activities on Tuesdays and Wednesday nights. Uh where else can you come in when the park's closed and bring your family the main gate, show your pass, walk down the main street, into the fantasy theater, buy popcorn for a nickel. Uh, and watch five or six Disney movies or cartoons and some features. The, the Nature's Half Acre, Nature's Wonderland, uh, Beaver Valley, Bear Country. And then one of the Disney classics. Wow. These shows only came out every seven years. Mm-hmm. And, no, and you couldn't see them in theater. and You didn't have all the stuff that you have today. So you could see. And it was free. <laughs> and it was camaraderie. Things the uh the soft all the drc money came from all the vending machines that were throughout all the break areas all that money walt insisted go uh to fund the drc and and they would match that for the most part on programs and christmas you had the big christmas party the uh, last day that we were closed uh before we opened in november or before In November, about the last week of November, we would start going back to seven days a week. Well, the Christmas party, you got Christmas passes where you'd get a discount and you could come in and it was an admission. And also you got mailed complimentary tickets every year at that time. But also they threw that big party where from four o'clock until about 10 o'clock on the date that was closed, all supervision at the stu- well, at the studio, at WED, uh, and at the park, guys that had grown up in, in from supervision at, into supervision would go back and work in their areas. Bill Sullivan, uh, was a, was a tour guide, uh, d- doing the spiel, <laughs> <laughs> doing the spiel uh, on storybook land. He was dressed up as a lady. And, and Bob <laughs> Riley was uh, working the boards in fantasy land in uniform. I would be up on the steam train uh, and and casual employees would be paid. Card Walker and Don Tatum would be racing down Main Street uh, uh, on the the fire engine and the omnibus (laughs) Uh, and, and other members of the studio. But Card and Don almost always would come down and other half a dozen other members and management would staff the rides. And the attractions on Main Street, Fantasyland, and Tomorrowland uh, for uh, uh, for the others. And it was you'd work a two-hour, three-hour, four four-hour shift in uniform. And, but but the big thing is uh, the the Disney characters. And, and here's a thing I want to mention because I re- remember going back and I researched it. What costume did Walt Disney wear? only once at one party and at that party that we had in 64.
0: Hmm. I have uh, no idea. You can
2: think of all the costumes you have, and, and they're on size, but uh, when we did the uh, turning back, forget it, just think about that for a second, but mm-hmm. when, one of the procedures we had on the Disneyland Organizational Development Program All top executives and new hires went through an organizational development program, the beginning first two or three, or for three months, and then they were for a month. But all of these people, one of the things that they had to do, and this was what Walt put on the calendar, the three or four days they spent at Disneyland, they would go in, and the very first thing that they would go after they went around to a couple of the offices, they would go down to the character dressing room. They would watch films of the Disney various Disney characters, and then we would put them in the Disney characters. Uh, Chip and Dale uh, were easy to do. Mickey, no one but Paul Castle or the other two could be Mickey. But Pluto and Goofy, you didn't want to be the big bad wolf or you didn't want to be Captain Hook unless you wore shin guards. Because the little children would kick you (laughs) and hurt you, you know, and and, but they would be. And that was a program. Now, what did all of those people say? All of the questionnaires at the end, they talked about one of the most fun and exciting things that they ever saw was when they put on a mask. You know, they put on a mask, a costume, and they walked around in fantasy land uh, with assistance with with uh, people, you know, with them and And they had a tour of fantasy land well the the most popular thing uh in sixty three and sixty four and sixty five uh was to uh, people wanted to wear the disney costumes management people well, I can tell you that uh, uh Dick Nunes made a good winnie the Pooh in <laughs> in, in the december party of nineteen uh, nineteen sixty five and that's when it, we we went on the tour on the eleventh but but Nunes, that's what he were in because you could, you could be in there. Anybody could. It was easy to be Chippendale or Thumper or Flower because you're just in a costume that covers you up head to toe with with small eyes. But there are other other costumes. And Walt, I, I, I was flabbergasted, uh but uh, that was Walt wanted to do it, and so Tommy, let me know. And uh, because I was in charge of the character costumes uh, with Bill Justice and in coordinating the tours and things. So Lela Eason, who was wardrobe manager, we set up a special area with three different costumes in back of the fantasy theater. It was closed. And that's where all the, the there was a dressing area, uh, portable dressing area out there for the costumes and the harnesses that they use and the stands for the heads, etc. And we had three costumes for, for Walt to choose from. And they, of course they were all new. <laughs> <laughs> in <real> good shape. <laughs> we brought them right out. And Walt selected one of those to go in so he could go out. And, uh, just for a little bit. He just went out for, for about a half hour. Uh, and, and, and he came back in and, uh, and, uh, Lella and I and I think Newness and maybe three other people knew cause, uh, they, they, people were out and we were in the back and uh, Walt and, uh, well, Walt was one of the characters and he loved it. Hmm. And you want to know what character he oh, was?
0: Absolutely.
2: Well, think about if you're Walt. You would like to be one of the, the the big bad wolf with the pigs kick you and we didn't want to do that because Walt had enough, but he was the right size for that. But that has a big open face. Mm-hmm. And then there's Goofy. See, now, that's the one I was Mickey, thinking. Mickey, Pluto and Goofy, uh, you know, Mickey, Pluto and Goofy, uh, are, and then you add Donald and you add Minnie and that's the five that are closest to the heart. Mm-hmm. But Walt loved dogs and he lost his dog. But the the one that conceals you the most cuz it has the eyes that nobody and there's no braces or stuff the easiest is the is the Pluto outfit uh-huh. cuz it's big shoes that you you good on like that you sleep on and the pants come all the way down and it's regular pants with a, just a little padding at the knees and then the the arms have a little padding on them like that but the head is a soft head and it has it, it has a helmet that comes down and sits so his back problems and those kind of issues and also pluto can do about anything you know pluto's walking around It can skip and it can dance it can pat little kids on the hand but nobody can see who's inside with goofy if you get up close to it, you can see that there's that screen coming down out of his mouth mm. where, where, he, where he's looking. And, uh, and of course the wolf wouldn't, but Walt, Walt and a companion, uh, not, not Lily, but, uh, a, uh, and it wasn't Diane or Sharon. I think he had hoped that Diane or Sharon could do it there, but he just went out for a little while. Wow. And, and I forgot all about that. Uh, and I, I don't think I've told anybody except my daughter and my ex-wife years <laughs> ago that 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 was a special thing. And and I think he said, you know, D- don't make a big thing out of it because everybody'd be going around in years from now. Because he, he 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 just wanted. I'm not saying being silly. He just wanted that point of view.
0: Yeah, yeah. I could see him as Pluto, just sort of glumphing around, having fun.
2: <laughs> no, so, Winnie the Pooh mm-hmm. can be silly, seeing all that yeah, stuff. Mm-hmm. But there there's too much weight and, and, and the distribution and movement. Yeah. And and, and Pluto uh Pluto and, and Captain Hook's got too much paraphernalia all around him. And and and, and, and Goofy just, just wouldn't work out although although anyone that's seen all the goofy uh Mr. Wheeler, Mr. Wheeler and Mr. Driver and some of those old features on Goofy would <laughs>
0: So now I, I know in in your different um roles and projects you worked on you you had many talks interactions meetings with Walt what were what are some of the your your best memories and things that you learned from Walt
2: Well you know Walt Walt taught me patience and and to and to finish the project to do it as best you can like on the train you you know you said bored and then you set it all aboard at the end, and you waved your arm in a certain way. Uh, and, and, you know, the complete of the show. Walt proved that you should finish the thing because, well, the example of uh, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Not it, it, everybody would have loved just to to been open like that. And, and Walt had a, son or a brother who would find the money to keep things going. The first thing that he ever did was flowers, Right in the middle of it, it was black and white. He decided to do it in color. Well, it won him his first Academy Award because he turned it in color. And everybody knows when Davy Crockett series came out midway through the first production of the, of the of the first of the three that they were going to do. Uh, he said, "No, we're going to go back and do it again in color. It'll be important." Well, how successful was the Davy Crockett thing? We we ended up doing five, and it ended up being a feature. And it ended up being shown at least ten times on the World of Color or one of those segments. But oh, yeah. do and, that... and do it right, mm-hmm. you know, uh, at the World's Fair when he re- he's got the, the governor out there and he got all of Illinois and all the press and he says I'm not going to show it to you today because it's it's not just right. Uh, when we were filming Pirates of the Caribbean uh, uh, late, later on, uh, while Walt wasn't around. The people said, hey, well, uh, these things are working just right. And they were saying we can shoot around it. And we, we cut down production and went back and said, no, we'll come back tomorrow and have all the stuff working right. Um, but, but to finish the job and, and, and I want to see people. I want to see people having fun. I, I wanted to see that personality, uh, and, and, and families and, and you know, that's that's what he wanted to see. And in our skits and in our routines, and that's what the characters were designed for originally, uh, the people would be standing in line, so let's entertain them. Let, let's have something go on. It's called pre-show. You know, you, you, people stand in line to get in an attraction, but while they're standing in line, in a lot of cases, they have a pre-show, actually, that's programmed for that in the column that you're in line in. But out in Fantasyland, you don't have that. And then with success of Mary Poppins and the money that was bringing in and, and the new characters that we were doing, uh, I, I, I just remember, uh, Walt was always saying, how can we improve? How can we improve? How can we do a better job? Uh, how can we update it? You know, Tomorrowland being updated, but, uh, Fantasyland's been updated four times. And rides them and moved from place to place or added. And now the changes that they made in them are, are marvelous. But he just taught me to have patience and do it right and keep your place clean and neat. Uh, we had the let's pick it up club. <laughs> <laughs> People talked about that. Who else would have sweepers going up and down the street on one side and then come back again? And, 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 you know, the, the idea that you should not be able to walk down Main Street and be able to see a piece of paper. And five minutes later, that paper better not be there. And in restrooms in particular. And Walt said, your office is out here. That place that you go sit down in and look at papers and do that, that's that's a place where you go. You are to be out in your office where the people are and helping them. And that was management strategy. And uh, when we would be doing a show or a parade or something, the rides and attractions are going on, and then all of a sudden, that time hits or that whistle, and management comes out of their office, and we start setting up 1,500 seats in front of uh, 20,000 leagues under the sea uh, or the Tomorrowland stage for a show. And when it's over with, management is out there picking up the pieces and paper and and cleaning the place up and it's thick and span. And, and and Walt said he doesn't ever want to walk into a bathroom uh, and, and see a management or anybody in there that's an employee, uh, leave anything on the floor, even that another guest is left. You, you walk in, you see three towels that are stuck out on the floor. You pick them up, you stuff them in, you go do your business, you wash your hands, takes 30 seconds. Uh, I'm afraid in, in, it's getting to take uh, memos and memos and memos uh, as we forget that's our house. And Walt used the story, you got, you got a rich old aunt or uncle, and, and they're coming to visit with you, and they're going to leave their money to you or to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> you are another cousin or nephew. And what would you do? You know, you want to make them feel at home and, and this and that, and especially when you're at their home. But uh, but the park and the rides and attractions and the exhibits, uh, that's your family out there. Be with them. Take time with them. Smile at them. And that's why you've got a name tag with your name on it that says Bob or George or so-and-so. There's no misters or sirs out there except that Mr. Toad. Mm-hmm.
0: It's true. And I think it's that philosophy that makes Disneyland so special for all of us. I mean, you even see guests bending down and picking up paper yeah. and throwing it away yeah. because. It, and, and
2: back in the days when, when I was there, uh, the football teams from, uh, Texas and the football teams from Georgia, because we had a lot of people from Texas and Georgia that were influential like from Doc Lamont and, and, uh, um, and going back to uh, the guys at SC, uh, and and these people were out of school early. But the, the, the sweeps on Main Street and, and Fantasyland, you could go in those areas, and there would be zones where members of that football team uh, had had Main Street or they had Fantasyland. Frontierland were the California schools, the California uh, guys that play football for California. Um, but, uh, the, it was a, it was a place where you could sit down and, and bunch on some popcorn and, and, and see a lot of giggles and laughs going on. And the purpose Walt says, if you see that, you ought to be good for one or two giggles yourself, you know, <laughs> and, and, uh, he, he had little sayings and he would, the first person that he would see in the old days, if you were in supervision, you wore an orange tie, you know, there was a period about 59, 60, 61, where he didn't know everybody, there, you know, because he wasn't spending as much time out there. And the first person that he would see in uniform that he knew, he'd go say, you know, that sign over there is getting kind of run down, blah, blah, blah. You know, and that's all you would have to say. Nobody would make a big deal out of it. That guy would go talk to his boss on his first break and say, Walt came by and said the the banner is ragged at the Main Street Cinema. It looks like it needs to be, you know, so or that poster looks kind of outdated or, uh, uh, you know, if God forbid somebody got sick in a restroom, everybody knew where that emergency closet was, where you would go in with that compound. And that was the job to go in, open the compound, put the compound around and put that circle out of order on it. Mm-hmm. And then go out and and and, and uh, catch the, the the first person you knew from that. You you wouldn't go back from a break. You would do that first. Then you would go on your break and just say, mm-hmm. "I had an emergency. I had to help," or "I was helping a guest." That was the one excuse if you were coming back from the breaks that was accepted. If somebody's walking by you and they're, they ask you a question because you're in a uniform, you stop and say, "Yes, sir. How?" Yes, ma'am. How can I help you? And, and laugh and smile. I'll be happy to take care of that for you.
0: Now, you were there at Disneyland for Walt's last visit. So, how did that go?
2: Well, there's a question as to what the last visit was. I was there for both of them. Uh, Archives is saying it doesn't show Walt being there. Well, I uh, there the, the two were the. The 14th of October, uh, 1966, Walt had invited uh, the uh, group from Valley Forge, the uh, Women's Auxiliary for Freedom Foundation at Valley Forge, were bringing uh, the Congressional Medal of Honor winners out here. Walt invited them all over to Disneyland because he wanted to host them, showing them first Great moments with Mr. Lincoln and talking about a few questions and then having hostesses and special assistants. We had some extra um, nurses and aides and stuff along uh, that came in the back way uh, over by maintenance and uh, they came up in the uh, the bus, the omnibus, and others walked and, and some were pushed in things. They saw great moments with Mr. Lincoln. And Walt uh, and I recorded this. I I had the tape of it. Jack Lindquist was there, and they had a little tag that they put on, and the little tag said, good for all rides and attractions. Well, it also had that other thing below it (laughs) that's always, when people have a private party and everything is free, but there's always one thing that's not free. And Walt says, Jack, come up here. This is after they saw Mr. Lincoln. And after he had talked with him about their sacrifice, he says, "Who do we have with us today?" He says, "Well, Congressional Medal of Honor winners." Said. And Waller said something like, "Military, oh yeah, yeah, military." Like, okay. "What does this? Would you? What does this thing say?" Let me read it to you. And Waller reads it. It says, "This is good for all rides and attractions in the park except the shooting gallery." <laughs> <laughs> now, this is military, Congressional Medal of Honor. And, and, and Walt just looks at him because I remember it. And and I've I've got it on my tapes because I was asked to to do that by Tommy a long time ago. But he says, Walt, that's rescinded right away. (laughs) (laughs) And Walt is telling him about the new plaza in down here and the new menu. And we just spent a million and a half dollars and he knows it's good. And, and he recommends, uh, he recommends they have a cafeteria side. And they have an oversight. He says, just help yourself and go over. And he was going to meet them later, uh, at the, uh, t- the tiki room. Mm-hmm. He wanted to show them the tiki room, but that's one. That's on the 24th. Jack Lindquist, myself, uh, several people from, um, uh, the freedom foundation at Valley Forge, uh, with the, the lady that's in charge and, um, uh, I think that it, that, that it was the week after that on the 24th, but I know it was the, we were, the park was closed and usually you start closing in mid September on Mondays and Tuesdays. Uh, there's some question, but we were doing an Eastman Kodak commercial and we were also doing a shoot where the, uh, Life magazine, uh, was doing a, a two-page color spread on their new uh, color TV, RCA. J. Walter Thompson represents them. J. Walter Thompson represents us. J. Walter Thompson represents Ford. J. Walter Thompson represents Kodak. Ham was doing a commercial to show Walt with this new Kodak Instamatic type camera that you take and put in and put it in and click and shoot. And we had built a special stage over the plaza where Walt is now with Mickey. That used to be a flower area that changed uh, three times a year, four different types of flowers. But we had covered it when we did the hot air balloon re- release and the Around the World in 80 Days helium balloon release with the Picard family. And we had used it for special grad nights As a radio station location. So we put a platform over that. And that was a platform where we could walk up, stand on the platform, point the camera towards the castle and shoot the characters coming out of the castle. And they had all of the characters. We had 40 some odd characters coming out. Usually it was the 25 basic ones, but we had the Christmas because it was a two minute commercial that would be used for the Eastman Kodak Academy Awards thing that was done in February, or maybe it was March, but it was a two-minute, or the possibility that it would be used for the December 18th show on Fantasy on Parade. We were showing the 65 Fantasy on Parade that had all the characters. I, I just know that I had had a walkthrough with Ham and uh, Max uh, uh a month and a half before, and I had had the uh, the guys from the agency come out, and uh, Mickey uh, McGuire was going to be the photographer for this shot of Walt and all the characters around him, which were in the TV set and around the TV set, showing the true color. This was the second in the series. So it was an all day shoot. It was Monday. We had cranes on the field. I got a call, uh, about two days before saying, Walt, uh, we'll, be, we'll meet you, uh, in, in the City Hall office behind City Hall. Well, that's Tommy Walker's office that had been let go in, in, in February or in, in, in mid-July. Uh, and I didn't, well, you know, to go through the, the whole schedule because we were also going to do this, some stills of, of Walt and the Disney um, management people with children and stuff like that. And we were doing the Mickey McGuire shoot and that, that had an agency rep and, uh, and the two girls that were uh, going to be the, in, in the picture that are in the picture. It came out on December 9th, 1966 Life magazine. Mm-hmm. And um, all of the characters were coming out and Walt had a, Uh, to do makeup and and he just needed to be filled in. They said, and I didn't understand it because it never happened before, but uh, they said, Walter be there meeting by eight thirty in front of city hall. So at eight o'clock, I was there walking around and the stretch out came in by those brothers gate. And then I run back by city hall and I waited for Walt to come over and, uh, said hello. And he put his hand on my, my, my shoulder. We turned around, and uh, we just talking, and we went back into Tommy Walker's empty office uh, with everything taken down, but the chairs and stuff. And uh, Walt uh, just, his first thing is, was, how's things going? Uh, I was afraid he would talk about Tommy or something because he knew that I was with Tommy all the time On when we were seeing <laughs> billies and at meetings and stuff. I was taking notes, and I was kind of, Tommy's assistant couldn't trust Tommy to remember what we had agreed to do or what he was going to do. So I was by his side at a lunch with Walt or with the dailies with Walt. So uh, I was afraid that Walt would ask about how Tommy's doing. Well, I had met with Tommy uh, because he had opened an office over at the Disneyland Hotel. And I met with him since he had been uh, asked to leave the company. And uh, I didn't get into that, and Walt and I started talking about, okay, let's go through what we're going to do, and and he knew as much about it as I did, and uh, he, I said I understand the makeup man's going to be coming by. He said, yeah, he'll be by about uh, nine thirty. My calls for ten, so we talked, and then we uh, started talking about Tomorrowland and the things that were going on at Tomorrowland because it was all torn up. And uh, the new Tomorrowland was coming in. It wouldn't come in until middle of the next year, but a third of it was already shut down or in the process for new Tomorrowland. And we talked about that. And then we talked about Christmas because I brought it up that we had more money to do the rest of the floats that we didn't have time to do for the previous year. And Walt said yes. And I had talked about well, we found an old uh, we found an old beat up Model T truck. That we can use for a dog house, uh, dog catchers place instead of using the, the one that we used the first year we made a dog house. So, he said, Hey, that's great. And, and I said, yeah, it belonged to one of the employees back there. And we got it for about $800. You know, picked it up and we'll make it into a dog catcher. it would be mm-hmm. easier to do the act of the, the, Pluto going up and, and, opening the latch and the dogs running out and the dog catcher oh, who was yeah. up with the driver running, trying to catch, catch the dogs. It's really a dog act. And, uh, and we talked about that. And then Walt said, I used to drive an old truck like that. And we started talking about world war two, him with the, uh, red cross at the end of the mm-hmm. war. He was there in France for the armistice. And, uh, he was driving. I said, well, when I was a kid, my favorite thing was to, my dad had an old, Uh, had a no Model T and we talked about Model Ts and old cars and that we had to, I said, you needed to back it up in the low gear. He said, no, you don't back it up because of the low gear is stronger on a hill. He said, it's because of the gas tank. I said, that's right. I keep forgetting that. And and we talked about that. And he said that there had been an explosion on that old thing and he had had a slight injury. We We just talked about it. So then we talked some more about the Christmas parade. And and we talked about uh, the Walt Disney World, what the things that we're we're going to be doing there. And and then he asked me about the train. And I said, well, Walt, I go up to the train almost every day. And he said, you know, I still think that's the best job in the park. I said, well, I I said, I've never worked anyplace else. And he he said, nobody would ever hire me. I'll never forget. He says, "I, I had to form my own company. Nobody would ever hire me. <laughs> uh, and, and and that and I said, Well, I've been so blessed. I said, working the, on the train up there and, and getting to know everybody and meeting my wife here and and, and things like that. Then you had to ask uh about uh in anything special. I said, No, the Christmas we're we're working on Christmas right now and uh we're uh we're we're looking forward, I said uh uh With things with things of changing, we're gonna be moving into the new building, uh, the first of the year, uh, and uh, I says we're all looking forward to that, and we'll have a major sound studio there and room to move around. And he said, "Well, thank God for Mary Poppins." I mean, he you know, and and then we started laughing about it because I I bought him a bottle of scotch the night that we did the Mary Poppins premiere, and because I was. Black and white scotch was his, what he drank. And I knew that because my father-in-law drank black and white. Tom Walker drank black and white. (laughs) And uh, they had tried to get me to start drinking scotch instead of uh, drinking uh, a a 77, you know, a kid's drink. Mm -hmm. that would always give you a headache in the morning. (laughs) And uh, uh, Walt, uh, it was just... uh, uh At the premiere, uh, I had I had leased the uh, ambassador, or the not the ambassador, the Roosevelt Suite across from Gramm's Chinese Theater to use, and uh, it was a place where if Walt needed to, he could change clothes because we had a meeting the night before that Walt came down, and 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 uh, that's when I picked up the a bottle of scotch and some stuff for him so he could go up in between our meeting with them and, and there, and he and Card went up there and. Uh, but fortunately they left some for me. So um, Walt was, uh, um, and, the, and the there there are the the, the 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 humor that he always had, and and, and always the worry that there are people. He would look out at that gate when he would come up. If he spent the night in, in his apartment up there, the next morning he would be out looking to see if people were coming in. And, and, and he was concerned about employees. You know, in those days, you traveled, I don't care if you were the white wing on Main Street, everybody traveled the same class, first class. Not a, not by distance, but if you were going just a short place, if you were just going to, to Denver, uh, or if you were running across the country you traveled first class and when we we were away on on, on business for a couple of weeks 10 12 days uh, one of the things that we had to do is call home every night uh, on the on the company i want you to call home and tell your wife how you are so and so and say hello to your kids that was a requirement also on your expense account a bottle of your favorite refreshment after work is sitting there and that was thing. And you got, in those days it was a $15 a day per diem when you were away. Uh, uh, But usually you never had to spend any money uh, on anything. But if you were gone more than uh, that 10 day, 12 day period of time, like when we were opening uh, Walt Disney world, you would fly home for four days, first class, or your wife would fly out to meet you first class. And stay with you and the company would give you a private apartment for the four days that your wife could be with you. But Walt insisted on taking, because it said, hey, they'll work harder. You know.
0: That's true.
2: I don't want to, I don't want to have any, I mean, and and he was serious about it. Mm -hmm. It's how he wanted to be treated. And, and, and the children. And and I get, I get way off when I get talking about it, but (laughs) all those things he stressed. He says, remember, you got to take care of everybody. You know, the foreman should be the last one to take the break when it, when it, when it's tight. You know, uh, you, you should make sure that you're taking care of the guest. And even though the guest is wrong, it's City Hall. In the old days, City Hall handled problems. And there were times when the one girl down there wasn't able to handle it. And Mary Wormhout, who managed things for her, Tommy's secretary couldn't handle it, needed more help. And Bob Allen would be down there or Chuck Kors would be down there. Or Bob Mathis would down there, or I would be down there, helping with the people. And uh, in a, there's a long line, here's a ticket book and here's a pass and we're sorry, we apologize. Mm-hmm. Even though they may be wrong, don't argue with them. Mm-hmm. Their intent to return is the most important thing in the world. And if you take a negative and turn it into a positive, he had ways of saying it. He was he saying, take care of the
0: guest. Now, how did you learn about Walt Disney's passing?
2: I was driving in. It was early in the morning. I had just got into the Harbor gate and I was right at the Harbor gate listening to, uh, KFI news, I believe. And, and they came on and announced his death. And boy, I just stood there and and the guys were listening to the radio. The security guys came out and then I drove on in underneath a pass and went over and, and, uh, uh, everybody, I, I went to see who was in the employee's cafeteria. If they knew, they knew. Um, and I went and called my wife. She was crying. Uh, and I think that's what everybody did. They went to call their wife or their other member of the family or others. And then we just got in a stupor. And uh, uh, we went uh, and group, groups of us would you, you wanted to go around and, and and walk through the park. I did. I'd been MOD a few times, manager on duty, uh, filling in for somebody or, or for a zone. And um, uh, you, you just wanted to go around and see everybody. And so everybody w- did what they did in their office and stuff and then kind of went out and walked around the park. And I think most people were trying to remember you know, to, to find out more about it, but they were also trying to remember the time that they had walked down the street with Walt or Walt had got on the mono, in the monorail with them. Uh, I, I think because they're talking with several of them, everybody would remember the time that Walt was in the cafeteria that day when we were doing the filming and, and, and was sitting down or they'll remember that when Walt sat down at the popcorn thing and was eating popcorn. And and waiting for the characters, um, uh, everybody was remembering, and, and there there were tears, uh, and 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 then there was the let's get together, and the department heads all got uh, by mid afternoon, all got their the people together, said, hey, here's a note we got from the studio. We're not going to close. We're not going to close the park. We're going to stay open. That's Roy's instructions, and that's right from Walt. Uh, we're going to celebrate Walt, and we're going to continue by taking care of the guest a little special today. And and I want more people out at the main gate as the people are leaving uh, to be there to talk to the guests. And I don't care if it takes two hours to sweep the park. Normally it takes about a half hour. You sweep it from the back and, and with security and, and managing people and that kind of stuff. I do you know, we might start cleaning up later than usual. We're going to, we're going to sit there and talk to the people and uh, be yourself. And um, it, it uh, the, the tour guides, uh, I can remember being down talking to them because they were, my buddies, my friends, and they didn't want to take tours, but we took small tours. We took small tours. You, instead of getting, waiting for 15, if you get seven or eight or nine, take them like that. And then did this say, uh, I'm dedicating this tour to Walt. Walt. And that, uh, and then of course, uh, the, 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 the watering holes at the Disneyland Hotel, were completely packed that night, and wives joined their husbands, and, uh, and had had a toast to Walt, and uh, that's what uh, that's what we did.
0: Well, thank you, Ben. And I think that one of the things that makes Disneyland special is that I think we can all still feel the spirit of Walt in that park because he he had a hand in everything that that is there, that exists today, and also because his spirit continued on in people like you that continued to make that park special. And I wanted to thank you for sharing your experiences with us in the early years of Disneyland, and I hope you'll be back with us to talk about the rest of your career because there's so much more that you've done. So f- thank you so much for being with us tonight.
2: Well, thank thanks for listening to me. I my my good days as the announcer on the train they were still my fun most fun days. Uh those two or three visits uh where I had meeting with Walt uh uh during the shoot and having lunch with him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and him scolding me says, "Where's my lunch ticket?" <laughs> <laughs> And, and and he's give me my chit, and, you know. He's looking at me and he's laughing. At the table, I mean, and Ham is laughing, and I'm standing up there. And, and so I reached and pulled out one of these tickets that I'd given to all the department heads and, and the crew. And then, and I said, "Go ahead, you know, Walt. Well, go ahead." No, he insisted that I go first. But he says, "I and I said, you, you should remember, I'm principal. I'm principal on this. I should have gotten this tag." <laughs> So he had his chili and his chili size and, and his stuff and came over and I sat down with him and he's sitting on right next to me and we just reminisced. He would laugh and, and it, it, yeah, I'm not saying he had a way of looking just to look at you and a little grin just for a second mm-hmm. when you've seen me and you know that I've seen you and hi and I got you <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, at, at the studio sitting down at his table with Tommy Walker and Walt going through and lecturing me on how to take care of the pigeons, uh, from one of the films that they had and stuff in a reminder because he always said, you're, hey, you, and, and it was train, pigeons, balloons, fireworks, banners, signs, you know, and, you know, if somebody needed things, call Ben. And, and, and I was smart enough to, to get the people together. That did all the work, the key heads, and buy them lunch, well the company did, and we solved the problems. And that's what Walt told you. Get with the people that know what they're doing, ask for their help, don't tell them. They'll get, they'll, they'll get it better than you thought to ever do it. And, and that's the way that the crews of maintenance and operations and security and first aid and general service, all those people made me look good. And and they and they gave me a nice title, and I had a nice living, and uh, the best thing in the world was the memories of Disneyland. When I when you get older in your seventies, you think about the most fun you ever had, and and there's no question it was those days on the train and those days uh, walking around Disneyland.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and thank you for for making those days special for us when you work there. And I think that image of Walt with that boyish grin on his face with his favorite bowl of chili is a great image to end this show. So that can, you betcha. All right. Well, you know, I've seen videos of pirates of the Caribbean's grand opening where they had pirates, you know, charging into new Orleans square from the Columbia and all that. I always thought that was one of the best grand openings.
1: Ever. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, the one thing I will say is Disney, even to this day, knows how to throw a grand opening. Uh, they're they're very good at it, and I, I always feel bad. Like I I've been very fortunate to go to a lot of grand openings, and usually they are so over the top that you do feel guilty. Like none of this is all money being spent on something that no one else will get to see after this, this moment. And I, I feel bad about it, but yeah, I, I feel like it is part of Disney's history to say, if something is, if something is opening, we need to like, we need to have the biggest party to show why it's so cool that it's opening. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's a, it's a time tradition for Walt Disney yeah. world and, and in Disneyland. I love it.
0: Yeah. And and definitely new Orleans square and parts of the Caribbean did, Definitely required a huge grand opening. So those are terrific stories. Now he talked a lot about Disneyland cast member activities. Did you participate when you were a cast member at Walt Disney World? Did you participate in anything? Uh,
1: No, just because I wasn't there long enough. Uh, The I I think I've mentioned it on the show before. Um, I my time there was so short that I only had the option to do two cast member. A uh, little special things, and uh, one of them was during the uh, d- during the park hours before uh, before Magic Kingdom opened. There was an opportunity to do a track walk of the Haunted Mansion, and uh, I regrettably slept through it. Uh, oh my <laughs> <because> goodness! <laughs> I was yeah, it was. I I still will kick myself to this day on it. I mean, I've done so many cool things. I can't be super upset about it, but uh, that was one thing that was offered. And yeah, I slept through it. And then the only other thing we did was uh, there was one day at Hollywood Studios. It must have been after the park closed uh, because I don't know how else they would have done this, but essentially they turned on all of the lights in Rock and Roller Coaster and they let us ride with the lights on. Uh, but then even beyond that, like they they messed around with us and scared us by like uh, our limo sat at the final uh, brake block where you just basically stared down at the next uh, stri- super stretch limo that was being launched into the show building. So we were like we had a, a perfect view, a lights on view of seeing the roller coaster moving. All the way around the building and just hoping that it would, uh, you know, stop <laughs> before it got to <laughs> where we were sitting on and it was all safe. I mean, the attractions are 100% safe, but uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely, uh, it, it was a cool experience. I just, I feel like that was in the middle of the day when I did that one, but I don't know how that would be possible. They didn't like just stop the ride and let us do that for a little bit. So it must've been at like the end of the night, but those were the only two things that, that I got to do in that way. But, um, Yeah, I've I mean, I've I've been lucky enough to see some of the other things that uh, cast members get to do. Uh, I was supposed to talk about it on last week's uh, episode of the Diz Unplugged, but I got to uh, I got to wake up super early one day and head to Magic Kingdom to check out the uh, the crow races, which are uh, canoe races Uh, around the world and uh, i can't remember the exact name canoe races of the world i want to say it might be but um that that was really neat and they actually gave me the opportunity after the the races were done for the morning that we got to jump into a canoe with some of the extra volunteers and do a lap around uh magic kingdoms rivers of america which i mean i've I've never done that from a canoe. I've done Disneyland, but never Magic Kingdoms. And I guess those are the original canoes that used to go around Magic Kingdom that have been repurposed over the years. So Mm. um, it's literally I got to be a part of that history in a way. And, um, yeah, that that was a cool little cast member experience that I've I've been lucky enough to see. They do so much for them, though, Uh, whether it's great, you know. Whether it's big parties that happen for anniversaries or those kind of races, uh, yeah, the cast members get to see and do a lot of cool things. That's great because you know that helps build loyalty, camaraderie,
0: you know, maybe makes up for some of the the things they have to deal with when they're on stage. So, um, I I think that's
1: wonderful that they do that. We should bring back the canoes there, that would be fun. It, I I just feel like I know how much of a disaster it is at Disneyland at <laughs> points no. in time. Um apparently Almost it always is. Never when I'm do guests fall in the wa- into the river. <laughs> I've never had that. I've just had it from the perspective of I want to smack the little kid who's in front of me <sighs> mm-hmm. with the ore because they can't reach the water. So they're literally just slapping the top and splashing me.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and they're not going in sync. So they're hitting your whore uh-huh. as well. Yeah. yeah. I always get a young child like that in front of me. Yeah. So, and I, what gets me is the last time I did it, half the canoe pooped out when we were halfway around rivers of America. So half of us were basically struggling to keep that canoe going. And the, the, um, canoe skipper whatever whatever he's called is trying to encourage everybody to paddle and he was he row and he was he was getting a bit frustrated
1: (laughs) oh i i i mean i know because if if no one is participating on the boat then it's those boats are long they're heavy and people on them make it even heavier so <laughs> they have to do all of that work to get them back and i mean it's no easy feat we had eight people on our canoe at the walt disney world one that i did uh we made it around rivers of america in like under six minutes and wow. that is like the hardest yeah we it, I mean, of course, the the people who were doing it for fun that could have taken their time. Uh, we were rowing like we were actually part of the competition, <laughs> and uh, so we went for it all. But I mean, there was there was one group that did it like five minutes and fifteen seconds, and it it, it, was, it was insane. But uh, yeah, though no, it's a it's a struggle. I. I but those cast members are always like in the best shape of their lives, and have <laughs> muscles on their muscles. So I, I can only feel so bad for them uh, as, you know, I, I struggle walking up the stairs anymore. Uh, they <laughs> They just paddle guests around in a canoe all day. <laughs> I know. It's amazing. Just amazing.
0: But a fun, fun attraction at Disneyland that I hope they keep.
1: Me so. too. Me too.
0: Well, in our next episode, we'll continue our discussion about the history of Walt Disney's Pinocchio with the first of my um, guest co-hosts, and you'll find out who that is next week. But right now, it's time for this week in Disney history. <laughs> Well, Craig, since you went first last week, I will go first this week. Mine is about one of my very favorite attractions. Uh, May 28th, 1966. It's a small world opened in Fantasyland at Disneyland. 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 And, um, and of course, this, this is, you know, from the work came from the New York World's Fair where it was sponsored by Pepsi. Now it's sponsored by Bank of America. When it opened, and the, they they did make additions. They extended the attraction, added new scenes in it, and all that. So what? It, so it's not just that they picked up. The attraction in at World's Fair and just dropped it in Disneyland. It was uh, they they made some additions to it. So at the time, it featured 297 animated children, 256 toys. The canal holds 233,000 gallons of water, and but it did keep the song. It's a Small World by Richard Sherman and Richard and Robert Sherman, and you might remember a few weeks ago we did a history. Of the it's a small world attraction, and so this was the park's first continually loading high capacity ride. I think that's why so many people like boats. I don't
1: yeah. know. No, <laughs> well, so. uh, I mean the boats are a great way to get around an attraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they also removed the uh, the part where if, you know if you were floating past a little scanner and you were wearing <laughs> a, a t pin, that it would take you off course and down into a secret passageway that's i think right. they Did, removed that didn't that come from the eiffel tower when <laughs> yeah. they passed it a it, little beam or whatever it was, I, was I, the eiffel I, tower and the attraction i feel like that's right i haven't watched that movie in so long
0: yeah <laughs> so, but, but and, and the, mean, the big I complaint was I watched it <laughs> the big complaint was was that the eiffel tower was on the wrong side <laughs> from where it, it appears I do remember that. Yeah. (laughs) I do remember that. It was on the opposite bank.
1: (laughs) It's it's movies. It's magic. I
0: know know. that show. I wish they would add in the scenes they deleted that actually had to do with Walt Disney. And I think then helped the film make a little more sense. So, um, but now those are just in the, you know, the uh, special features. And bonus features, you can see them. But I thought it was a huge mistake. Yeah. So anyway so the opening day again we talked last week about oh no we talked today about the Pirates of the Caribbean I'm getting all my days weeks confused about the Pirates of the Caribbean huge opening this was a huge opening Walt Disney himself is there um hosting it Jack Lindquist who is the advertising manager at the time he had they had sent out messages to all their um Corporate offices around the world, and said, "Get us water from oceans, lakes, and all that. However, you can do it. Be creative." And then, send <laughs> some people were creative. They probably turned on the tap, <laughs> but um, and then they sent it, and it was all sent to Disneyland. It was all differently themed containers. And they had a lot of children all dressed as children of the world from different youth groups um, there and embassies and things like that. And they um, poured the water from around the world into the canal. So and then they had a big opening two days later for the big yeah. grand opening to the two guests. But, you know, the song drives people nuts and all that. But this is so popular. It is in The Magic Kingdom of Walt Disney World. It's a Tokyo Disneyland. It's in Disneyland Paris. And it's Hong Kong Disneyland. And so
1: this is a popular, popular attraction. I've been on all of them. (laughs) It's just, it's one of those things. They got it right the first time. And I won't say that they've gotten it right every single time since then. I mean, considering I haven't done them all, but, you know, I will always take every opportunity to, 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 talk down about the walt disney world version at the very least which just does not capture the same magic as Disneyland's. But, i think
0: there's uh, too much space in it with emptiness
1: that's, I think that's a hundred percent what it is yeah. yeah and i mean even outside of the the attraction load area it just feels it feels like it wasn't as well thought through and there's things that I do love about it uh, for sure, but it just doesn't have the same grandeur as mm-hmm. Disneyland's, but it regardless it, the theme, the message, that feeling that you get when you're on the ride, it's still, it still translates to everyone. It really is a, an attraction that it, I feel like it does go beyond all languages. It's that, that, the tune just connects with everyone that hears it. The dolls are so whimsical. You you get what's happening in it without needing to know anything about it. And that's why it's so popular still to this day. Yeah. And, and everyone will always keep going on it. And there's so much crammed into the
0: Disneyland version that even now, I mean, I've ridden it since it opened in 1966. And I still will notice new little things here and there. Plus, they have added things. Yep. to To it as well. You know, the characters from, um, you know, the different films, which at first I thought, eh. Now I, I sort of, I like them. So it took me a little while to warm up to it. Yeah. And but, then you go at Christmas. Uh, and at and Christmas, big, I was just going to bring that up. It is so stunning and magical because the word magical gets thrown around a lot about Disney parks. The Christmas overlay for this is truly magical. Yeah. It is just they spared no expense and and you have to see it at night, all lit up at Christmas, and then they do the projection show, which is an old school projections
1: compared to today's. It works perfectly for it yep you know? i I completely agree it's one of my favorite places. Uh, to spend time at if I'm at Disneyland in Christmas time. It's it's around it's a small world, especially at night. It's just mm-hmm. it, it's it's all perfect. It's mm-hmm. it, it's my favorite version of the attraction. I, think I always go there the first weekend of December and I think I waited
0: like a half an hour just to see the projection show. Because the cast members had no idea when it was going around. <laughs> so I thought I'm just gonna stand here because it's just so
1: adorable. And whimsical that um Ma'am. i i had to see it You yeah. <laughs> still taking the music of the area the christmas oh, yeah. songs it's it's all it, it's just so special it is it really is so craig what do you have for us this week oh man so i had to uh I I had a tough choice. So I settled on May 30th for multiple reasons. There's, there's a lot of things that happened on that day and it was almost hard to, to pick just one. Um, I, I almost went with uh, Disney legend. Adele DeZim uh, was born on <laughs> May 30th, but, uh, <laughs> of 1971. Uh, but I, I won't, I won't, spend too much time on her. Uh, I wanted to mention that uh, Dick Nunes was born on May 30th of 1932. Uh, Also a Disney legend uh, that, you know, his book came out last year. I have been Mm -hmm. too busy to read it yet. So that's why I feel like I couldn't mention him as my uh, special moment because I would just uh, be doing him in injustice. So uh, I'm actually going to the beautiful year of 2014 and on May 30th of 2014, the world was punished when Maleficent opened in <laughs> the theaters of the United States. And mm-hmm. you know what we can blame, we can blame Alice for setting the tone of all of the, live action reimaginings that we are now burdened with. Uh, But for me, it's, it's Maleficent that took it to the next level because it also made a lot of money and it just was not that good. And I, I, you. It definitely got worse from there, but I feel like I feel like with Alice, a lot of the reason why it made it to the level it did was because of the 3D charm. The same thing I feel about Avatar, but I mean, Avatar 2 made a lot of money, but I'm not getting into that fight Uh, regardless it's 3d played a big role in with Alice in Wonderland and the sequel didn't do nearly as well. So that just goes to show that it wasn't necessarily about Alice or Tim Burton esque designs or anything like that. Um, but Maleficent created a, a bigger beast that we're all dealing with now. And, uh, you know, it's, it, I, You and I have a lot to catch up on movies Because Mm -hmm. uh, it's one of our favorite pastimes Is talking about these reimaginings And unfortunately we're a little early to talk about uh, What's going on with The Little Mermaid Which it's not a story I love So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that I I like it But yeah we've missed um, Maybe the only one we've missed so far is Peter and Wendy And I I have not watched that yet Okay, well, Did you watch it? I did, and while it was long, I actually quite enjoyed it. Um, really? Okay. It wasn't perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it, it wasn't perfect at all, and I feel like Disney Plus was the right place for it. It would not have worked on. Um, it wouldn't have worked in theaters. It would have been a complete bomb. Uh, it's it's too. It's not that it's too different from Peter Pan, but the visual style is. It's darker, and I think that's put off a lot of people from it. But I thought the acting was really well done. Um, The little changes that they made to it was, I I think, for the better for the most part. And, you know, the director's the same one who made Pete's Dragon, the remake of that, and The Mm -hmm. Green Knight. So it's a very distinct visual style. The action is uh, – it's focused on in a a really interesting way. So I thought there was enough good – that outweighed the bads it's it's not you know it's i'm not sitting here saying that it's great and you need to rush out and watch it but uh it's it's one that if if it was to ever be on tv and i like turned it on halfway through i'd probably watch the end of it but i don't know if i would necessarily seek it out again it's better though than maleficent which released may 30th 2014 (laughs) i did see guardians of the galaxy volume three and, and
0: it wasn't a perfect film, but I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, I I think for me, because I did, I asked Kylie specially. I was like, can I please go to the theater to see this? I need, like, it's one that I can't just settle and watch at home, which is what I've been doing with all my movies. But with that one, she gave me permission to go and take some time for myself to do it. And um, I, yeah, I, it, to me, it is very close to perfect for a Marvel movie not perfect movie in general but a perfect Marvel movie I like the first one more still mm-hmm. the first I one I feel like is the classic does. I could always yeah. go back to it I thought this was a really great ending to the series though uh, mm-hmm. it 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 tied everything together and you know we know we're saying goodbye to some of the characters and some of the characters we're gonna get to see again in the future but for that that core group that we fell in love with over the course of however, you know, the two other movies plus uh being showing up in Thor and the Avengers movies, Mm -hmm. like it's it it was it was a great way to say goodbye to that specific group.
0: Okay. And I did see Avatar Two, I took my granddaughter. It was her first three D film. How that there was a lot of exposition. (laughs) (laughs) I can't tell if you're being nice. I just thought that they were just doing things that we could watch that didn't necessarily propel the film story. Right.
1: <laughs> I uh I will be waiting until June 7th to watch it on Disney Plus. <laughs> okay. okay. So I even even if Kylie gave me permission to go to the theaters for it, I don't I don't know if I could do it. It is still showing at Disney Springs though, so I I technically have the option to to go see it if I want, but yeah. I'm I'm gonna pass.
0: And I haven't seen the latest Ant Man and the Wasp film. I'll probably I just missed it. I'll
1: probably wait till it comes on Disney Plus. Yeah, that's one of the first Marvel movies that I haven't seen in theaters honestly Mm -hmm. but it was it was again that was right in february we were still getting our our feet under us with with rory i was like i don't know if i care enough about ant-man as a character (laughs) i I like paul rudd but and you know obviously the setup of uh of what's his name from loki that being the big bad villain in this but then when the reviews weren't great it was like i do i really want to take any time away and, and try to put that stress on my family and go out and see it. So it's come what it comes on Disney plus this week. I think,
0: you know, you know what film I really enjoyed and it's a non Disney film, but Disney could have made it Dungeons and Dragons. I, I've heard, I thought it was a lot of fun. And I think I said it when I was talking to John, it's, it's just a great adventure popcorn film. Don't expect anything greater than that. But I really enjoyed the characters. I like their banter back and forth. And I I would love to see these characters again. Unfortunately, the film didn't do as well as it deserved to do in the box office,
1: in my opinion. So I don't know if we'll ever see these characters again. I guess it probably comes down to how much money it costs to make it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, if it was one of those things where it's reasonable, uh, maybe it'll get another life. But I, the, I know it's done by two directors, and the one of them is the the guy who directed Game Night, and he was like the lead kid on the the Judd Apatow series, Freaks and Geeks, from way back in the day. He's oh, okay. like he is insanely talented, um, and Game Night's one of the best comedies that has come out in the past five six years. I can't even remember when it came out now, but uh, it, it it it's solid. So I know I know I'm gonna enjoy dungeons and dragons when i finally I get a will. chance to see it i think you will rory will enjoy it too you can watch it with him well i'm, <laughs> I'm worried what i'm worried about is uh the how how much uh mythical creatures are in it so uh I, you know i can prepare my dogs going into it on how much <laughs> they're gonna bark at the tv oh well yeah there there is a dragon since it's dungeons and dragons that's for sure well, that'll so it'll be at least one moment where they lose their minds <laughs> yes that's funny
0: so we've been every few weeks or, or every few episodes or so we talk about the one of our mind folks about the Diz um, Unplugged Dreams Limited Travel Event at Disneyland. Since we've been talking up Disneyland these last two weeks, if this is saying this has got inspired you to say, "Hey, I want to go." This is from August fourth through the sixth, and the cool thing is is that we will um, we we've rented out. Pixar Pier, Pixar Gardens, and there's going to be a big old party. And then we have the whole side of that park to ourselves. So uh, if you go to the, um, if you go to disboards.com, you'll find information about it and more details. Also the dreams unlimited travel has um, reserved a series of rooms at the Disneyland hotel and grand Californian at a, Good prices. And so so. if you want to stay, you, if you book through Dreams Unlimited Travel, book a room, you then get priority um, to purchasing the tickets. And John Magi has not announced yet um, when tickets are going to go on sale. But I would imagine they're soon. But I'm yeah. going to be there. For, oh, and then the next day, the event's on the 4th. There's going to be a podcast um, at the Grand Californian Hotel, live podcast. On the fifth, you do have to purchase an event ticket for the fourth in order to go to the live podcast, and then, uh, and then, there, then who knows what else will happen? There's going to there's it says there's exciting guests at the um, p- private reception at Pixar Garden, so
1: I'm excited to see who it is. Is it you, Craig? Are you the exciting I- guest? Uh, no, um, I'm, I'm not. I mean, we we will all the the team, whoever still works for the team. Uh, obviously, John <laughs> bowed out of that, but uh, anyone who still works for the team is going to be there for the event. I I believe, unless unless I don't know something with it. So, uh, yeah, I I I don't know who the guests are though. It's it's going to be a surprise <laughs> to us. We're kind of left in the dark with it, but it's definitely not going to be just. Us. I, I do believe that you know John always tries to have something up his sleeve. He for does. these kind of events, and uh, you know we will since we'll be there. There will be uh, opportunities to to find us and say hi throughout the couple days that we're all there for it. So uh, everything that I read on paper, the same way as everyone else, seems pretty cool mm-hmm. <laughs> to me. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm I'm very excited about it. So I am too. I, I'm looking forward to it it'll be different to do a party out on that coast. We're so used to uh, how it all works with Walt Disney world that I can't wait to see how it, how it works with Disneyland. And I I just hope everyone uh, comes out and, and supports it because honestly too, I mean, it's should go without saying, but the more people that show up and have a great time at this one, the more it will push, you know, John and Pete to do another event out in California or push Mm -hmm. them to do that next podcast cruise or, you know, just keep it, keep it going so that's they they do it based on not just what they want to do but also the demand of everyone who's showing up so if we want to see more then uh you know come out come out and support us yeah. and have a great time i agree yeah and, and books your
0: travels who dreams unlimited travel mm-hmm. so one of our one of our lovely
1: agents will will be happy to assist you so. yes or at least they'll assist you in try to hide their unhappiness <laughs> oh, Dear Lord! <laughs> no they wear their mouse ears and I, they they whistle while they work i've <laughs> got to protect it just in case they get teresa as an agent and I, I don't want <laughs> them to funny. get caught off guard
0: uh well craig until next time how can our listeners connect
1: with you <laughs> as uh As I say, I think in the past, because I barely remember what I used to say, Uh, you can find me on all of the shows that I'm on, on the DisUnplugged Podcast Network. You can find me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Teleclaster. And you can find me uh, on email (laughs) (laughs) At <laughs> Greg at disneyinfo.com. Uh, right. What about you, Michael?
0: You can send me messages at Michael Bowling at DisneyInfo.com. Twitter, I'm at M 121 Facebook, Michael Bowling connecting with Walt. Instagram, I'm Michael Bowling the Diz. And you can connect with me and Craig on Twitter. So if you'd like to listen to more shows, on Twitter, at ConnectingWalt, I should say. <laughs> if you'd like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studio, his Imagineers, and Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for my Disney history episodes. On the link Craig includes in our show notes or DisneyPlug.com. And look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Pandora, and Amazon podcasts, where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings when possible. Well, Craig, this was wonderful to have
1: you back for a couple of weeks. Please thank Kylie and Rory for me. I will. I really enjoyed being back here. I can't wait till I'm uh, here more regularly. That'll be great. We'll look forward. I'll I'll toss you into the rotation and see what
0: happens. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing, that it was all started by a man, Walt Disney, and his brother Roy.